Howdy, everybody. The following is a recorded discussion with Chaplain Raymond, our Attorney General for the Republic State of Texas. This is the third in a series that we are doing on the authority of law, which is the same title of a book by Charles A. Wiseman. Today we went over codes and revised statutes. Hope you enjoy. This is the lecture for February 15th. It was announced February 15th. 2011, uh, that is 1 p.m. in the afternoon on February 16th. Uh, in the announcement, there was a maxim of law called today's maxim of law. Fraught is always positive or intentional and is distinguished from negligence. Negligence is a kind of cinema of omission. You neglected to do something without, but it was negligence is usually without intent. You didn't plan it or maliciously prove it. But fraud is always positive or intentional. You never can say, well, I really didn't mean to do it. So we, it's, it's best to know that sort of thing about fraud. Now I'm going to take this off the screen and let's get into our information for today and it's page seven we're going to talk about codes and revised statutes okay now codes and revised statutes we're going to uh, <clears throat> okay Excuse me. During the 19th century, the concept of codes was introduced as a means to classify and organize a group of laws related in subject matter into one published volumes. Now, if you I'm going to if you visualize the act within a legislative body, you know you have all these Robert's rules of orders going on and your motions and um, questions and discussions and eventually you get around to where there is a final vote and it is then enacted. Now tomorrow they may have another session and go through and enact another one. Two days from now they may add a section to the one they, act, they enacted two days earlier. So you have in your journal for the legislature two pieces of enactment which really could just as easily be put together for ease of reference on the same page or in the same section of a manual or a book. And so, so when they're talking about this, this is the idea of simplifying looking it up because of the disjoint manner in which enactments flow from the legislature. So uh, this was in, to classify and organize a group of laws related in subject matter into one published volume. These codes included such things as code of civil procedure, a code of criminal procedure, a penal code, a code of probate courts, a building code, a private corporation's code, etc. 
each of these codes covered one specific subject area. As these codes became more widely used, there resulted considerable debate over their validity and usefulness, which is still going on today. A summation of the arguments for and against these codes is listed in West's Annotated Californian Codes, Volume 1, in which it discusses the development of the law in California. It mentions the objects of modern codification as laid down by David Dudley Field, who is the pioneer advocate of codification. His views on codification is expressed in 20 American Law Revision 1, 1986, were that codes would make it easier to find the law and would keep judges from making laws from the making laws, bench law. But the writers of this annotation did not see those objectives being fulfilled in modern times. So this is an annotation in the law books that says, the history of lawmaking in California demonstrates that the hopes expressed by David Dudley Field have not been fully attained, even in our comprehensive program of codification. Judges still engage in the making of law. The ordinary citizen is still lost and often bewildered among the myriad of laws. And finding the law is yet often a laborious process or even the experienced practitioner. Many debates also exist regarding the legality or constitutionality of codes. An Alabama court state stated that the criminal code enacted in its state was not within the letter or spirit of the mandate of the Constitution. And then in the same opinion later, said, nor can it be supposed that it was within the contemplations of the framers of the Constitution. Now that's a pretty devastating opinion. It says not only does the written word not support it, but when these folks were writing this Constitution, they had no idea that such a thing could happen. They may have prevented it, is what he's trying to say. The court also said that the code was done for the sake of convenience. That was what the state was using and the legislature and others were using as justification for doing it. And speeding up justice is never a good idea, unless it's a, a, in the interest of the injured party to do so. Whatever hasn't said or could be said of these specific subject codes in a negative sense, much more could be said of the modern-day comprehensive codes or revisions. Now, I want to call your attention to these words. What he's saying here is that not only is the old code and when they did it had a lot of negative things said about it, the new ones, which we now have very specific names for, comprehensive codes, those are precise words and mean something very special to the legal profession. 
revisions and legislatures. Revisions, same thing. These works are a revision of all of the statutes of the state or nation and thus embrace every subject in a multi-volume public. Now, to understand the nature and validity of today's modern codes and revisions, we need to understand the established or constitutional method of enacting and publishing laws. Again, the word enacting is a power word, publishing is a power word. So, when the laws are passed by both houses of the legislative body, the bill is sent to the governor or the president to sign. If it is signed, the enacted bill goes to the office of the Secretary of State, who is the keeper of all official government documents and records. The Secretary of State is the official who possesses the state seal or national seal and affixes that seal to the true and valid documents and records that come to his or her office. Most state constitutions prescribe these facts. Thus, the laws passed by the legislature, which are generally recognized as such, are those that are issued or published by the Secretary of State. And here's another commentary. We consider that the Secretary of State has an indisputable legal duty to publish validly enacted laws, a duty imposed on him by Article 4, Section 4B of the Florida Constitution requiring him to keep the records of the official acts of the legislature and executive departments. End quote. As to whether a bill has become a law or not, the fact that the publication was verified by the Secretary of State is proof that it has. And they comment further, the publication of an act in the volume of session laws of the year in which it purports to have been approved and verified by the Secretary of State creates a presumption that it became a law pursuant to the requirements of the Constitution. As more laws became enacted, the usual or traditional mode of recording and publishing them gradually underwent a change. Here we go. The acts passed by each legislative session of a con Congress or of a state legislature are compiled at the end of the session in what is known as the statutes at large in the national government or the session laws in the states. Again, these are power words. Statutes at large, session laws. After a few years, it becomes very difficult for judges, attorneys, and the general public to know what the law is. Amendments have been made, many sections have been repealed, and even the legislators are, at a, are often at a loss. At such time, a compilation may be made. This is a, simply a gathering together, usually in the, to a single volume, 
of all of the laws in effect in a given jurisdiction. Now this next sentence defines the extent to which it can be changed other than putting them into a single volume. Changes in punctuation spelling may be made. Repealed and unconstitutional laws may be eliminated. But little more. If a more constructive result is desired, a revision or codification may be ordered. Now, do you see the distinction? We're talking about the gathering together, the compiling. If a more constructive result is desired, you will do a revision or a codification may be ordered. So the laws of the state have traditionally been published by the Secretary of State in a book titled Session Laws, or in some cases, Acts or Resolves of the State, while the Acts of Congress were always published in the statutes at large. But the lawmaking factories of the state legislatures and Congress had created a problem with the mass laws they enacted. It became difficult to keep track of all these laws. So it was decided that a new method of simplifying the way they were published needed to be devised. Thus, sometimes the laws were reorganized and recompiled into other books to get rid of the repealed and unconstitutional laws. These compilations were usually done by the Secretary of State since all of the records were in his office. Now the statutes at large and section large are themselves a compilation of laws, but a revision or codification, power words, is very different from a mere compilation. Here we go. They are different because they are written or drafted by a commission or committee or some non-legislative source. Further, the laws are not just compiled together, they are altered and modified along with additions or deletions, deletions made to the contents. They then are passed off as laws of the legislature. In a case in Kentucky, we have an example of this change in the publication of laws. In 1894, the first compilation of laws was conducted by private editors. Now, this was just a reorganization of the existing laws. This type of compilation continued up to 1939. In 1936, the legislature directed and empowered the governor to appoint a committee selected from a list submitted by the Board of Commissioners of the Kentucky Bar. Kentucky Bar. This committee of lawyers then revised, codified, annotated, and published their work, calling it the Statute Law of Kentucky. It's in a completely different volume with a completely different name. It's no longer 
the session logs. But this work was not much more than a compilation since the act authorizing it provided that the committee, quote, should not alter the language or sense of any act of the General Assembly. This is the camel's nose under the tent. We have an outside private group rewriting the law with the restriction on them that they can't alter the language or sense, and they're putting it into a book which they title. In 1943, this provision of not altering or in any sense any act of the General Assembly was removed. And the legislature called for a definite plan for revision and publication of the statutes. Now, does anybody see where this is going? Thus, the legislator legislature was getting away from the idea that a mere compilation, getting away from the idea of a mere compilation. It empowered the committee to prepare and submit a complete revision, broader in its scope and more comprehensive in its purpose. The legislator was giving more power and authority to this committee, it had commissioned to revise the laws of the state. This change was noted by the state Supreme Court. The, quote, the Kentucky Revised Statutes were therefore enacted as the law of the Commonwealth and not adopted as a compilation. The distinction is important. A compilation is merely an arrangement and classification of the legislation in a state in the exact form in which it was enacted with no change in language. It is merely a bringing together and a convening of the various acts of legislation enacted over a period of time. It does not purport to restate the law or to be a substitute for prior laws. It does not require any legislative action in order to have the effect it is intended to have. Then it continues. A revision, on the other hand, contemplates a redrafting and simplification of the entire body of statute law. Continuing further, a revision is a complete restatement of the law. It requires enactment by the legislator in legislature in order to be effective. And upon enactment, it becomes the law itself, replacing all former statute, statutes. We thus have a committee of lawyers recreating the laws of the state. Such committees have become the new source of law. Now remember that earlier in this book, in these sessions, we commented heavily on the source of law. Such committees have become the new source of law in the nation. While the legislature will enact the revision into law, this is no different than when the legislature approves the bylaws 
of a corporation. The laws of the corporation do not become the laws written by the legislature because of this. Rather, they are the laws of the artificial legal entity or corporation which the legislature created, just as the revised statutes of Kentucky are laws of the artificial legal entity or commission that the legislature created. This process is no different than when the legislature authorizes the laws of a city or approves a city charter. The laws and charter are not regarded as those of the legislature or as laws of the state. While the laws which the committee drafts are based upon original statutes of the legislature, they are a complete restatement of them. New material is added. Items are removed. Provisions are modified. The, re the results are and legal parlance laws that are of this artificial legal entity known as the Commission on Revising Statutes or Reviser of Statutes. This legal entity is no different than a corporation or any other legal entity which the legislature created or commissions. The laws which this entity writes cannot be deemed the lawful statutes of the state. This is especially so since the various constitutions of the land specify how each law is to come into being. It was never the intent that such a comprehensive mass of legislation containing every law of the state and passed in one act would be the mode for making laws. There are inherent problems associated with this method as explained by one legal, one legal writer, quote, the usual practice is to introduce the revision of statutes as a single bill, sending it through the same process as other bills. Obviously, however, the members of the legislature cannot give a comprehensive measure adequate consideration. It is almost as difficult for a committee to do so. When the mass of laws, it's unquote, when the mass of laws from the committee is complete, the legislator, legislature is to approve it as a single statute. Because it's so massive, not one single legislator will read the new body of law. There are no discussions in the legislature on any of the hundreds of new or revised laws of the committee. Further, it's covered by fundamental law and constitutional mandates and fundamental law is the same thing that fact it includes maxims and constitutional mandates that a bill be read on three separate days in the legislature. This is impossible with the comprehensive codes that have been adopted in modern times. There thus is no real opportunity for citizens to raise questions 
or objections in the legislature to the numerous laws they will be subject to. No man knows what is contained in the revision of laws. The unknown contents are revealed by the textual errors discovered afterwards, as Walker states, many revised statute bills are voted through only for the members to find later numerous jokers and unwise provisions which must then be repealed or amended and the process of change goes on. Again we ask, is this the mode and process intended by the framers of the Constitution for laws to come into existence? That this is a highly questionable process is revealed by the fact that several states have passed amendments to the state constitutions which allow for a codification of laws. This indicates that neither this procedure nor the basic concepts are not in line with traditional constitutional methods for enacting laws. According to the Constitution, enacting and changing laws for a state falls upon the legislative branch of government, and that branch cannot delegate the power to any other. The code commissioners or revising committee may be composed of some members of the legislature, but it is also composed of lawyers, judges, and private persons. It thus has been noted that revisers have no legislative authority and are therefore powerless to lessen or expand the letter or meaning of the law. Therefore, the work of these committees cannot be regarded as law pursuant to the Constitution. The law they produce is another manner of law coming from a source other than its constitutionally authorized source. These comprehensive revisions were co a private law approved by the legislature. Governments, like individuals, tend to do things because they are convenient and easy, such as with codes. But whenever governments do things for convenience sake, they usually transcend constitutional limitation or trespass on individual rights. The desire to have easy arrest without the need of a warrant is one area in which government has done things which are more convenient, but they're unlawful. The completely comprehensive revisions which embrace every law of the state first appeared in the 1940s. Walker states at the time of his writing, 1934, no American state had a complete code. That is, no state had yet adopted a comprehensive revision of all statutes. We saw that Kentucky adopted its comprehensive revised statutes in 1943. Minnesota adopted a revision in 1945. Illinois and Missouri in 39, and Virginia in 1950. The mass of laws written by revisers and codifiers is not the law of the legislature, even when approved by it. They were not enacted in the mode intended by the terms of the Constitution. 
Also, since we have no legal relationship to the commission or committee that drafted the code or revised statute, it would seem the laws they write have no authority over us. This is made clear by the fact that these comprehensive codes and revisions have no sign of authority, which all law is required to have. I want to read that again. This is made clear by the fact that these comprehensive codes and revisions have no sign of authority, which all law is required to have. You might think about why they leave it out. When we look at specific subject codes or the ancient codes of the past, such as the Code of Justinian, the Roman Twelve Tables, the Napoleonic Civil Code, we find in their contents or on their face the authority by which they existed or were promulgated. The specific subject codes had what is called an acting clause, which is an official declaration of authority and authenticity. The modern-day codes have no such declaration of authority on their face or contents. We thus need to look further into this key issue of authority by way of the enacting clause, which is the subject tomorrow of tomorrow's session. And we're not going to be able to cover enacting clauses in one day, so it's going to be a multiple-day session. But what I want to point out to you here is the gentleman writing this did not contemplate that he would be we would be or are and were dealing with a government by contract. So the codes are have no enacting clause. And people are all the time writing the IRS, show me, you know, the enacting clause. Tell me your power to collect, you have no power to collect income tax. Well, as long as we didn't know they were a corporation and separate apart and dealing strictly by contracts, you would think that this was really a breach. But what the code construction did, it allowed legislatures and scheming people make it look like they were passing laws and putting them into practice. And even if they omitted something they wanted to do, revisers and the codifiers could add it back. So unconstitutional, and I dare say it, un what things that might be unconstitutional if they were do it from the legislature might be added back when the revisers are working on it. None of us know or knew how to apply this to Obamacare. 
Now, anything that's 2,600 pages long, was it written in Congress? Was it read three times? It's more like a code to start with. We're even skipping a step. At least here, we had statutes that started the process, and then the codifiers started with the statute. Obamacare could be just one sentence in the statutes. You are hereby authorized to prepare, you know, uh, you know, medical insurance for the people of the country. And then the codifier sit down and produce 26 pages, 2,600 pages. Now, I'm not saying that's the case. I don't know. I haven't checked. I'm speaking from pure speculation. But if you understand um, that we have passed in the legislature a something that will say you're allowed to have uh, accelerated depreciation on assets when computing your income tax. Okay, so that was a statute. Then the codifiers take the statute and write the code. If you want to take a pencil and write this down, you have the statute, which leads to the code, which leads to regulations that have to go through the Federal Register, and then you get to the forms, the instructions on the forms. You said statute to code to regulations to Federal Register and then the forms? No, the Federal Register is the regulations. It is the regulations, okay. The regulations go through the Federal Register. Mm -hmm. if, if you want it by way of the Federal Register. So okay. you got it? Statutes, code, regulations by way of the Federal Register, and then forms, which have instructions and referencing. But what are the numbers they're referencing on the forms? The statute or the code? Hmm. The codes. Internal Revenue Code, IRC, section so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Every time you cite a section of a code, you're dealing with the revised statutes. Now, it has no enacting clause, and everybody treats it as if it's law, when in fact, it's terms and conditions of a contract. And they have, so it's, it moved through Congress as if it's law. Makes its way to the codifiers into the code, the Internal Revenue Code. How many times have you ever said that word? <laughs> you ever said the Internal Revenue Statute? Nope. So here we go. You, you're dealing with Internal Revenue Code that you have consented to comply to. 
It's not long. So uh, it doesn't even have an enacting clause in it. So it looks like this. But once you, once you, excuse me, go ahead. It looks like this first started, or I'm, I'm looking back at the pages. Um, with Kentucky in 1943. No, it started before that, the act of preparing a code. But should not alter the language or sense of any act. Okay, in 1940, the provision was removed, and the legislature called for a definite plan for revision and publication of the statutes. Okay. So then the, the compilation and the revision is what we're – I'm sorry, revision compilation. Codification is very different from compilation. Comprehensive revision is every statute that the legislature has passed. Yes. <laughs> and that's why you'll see the um, the codes, the, the Texas codes. Mm -hmm. Now they haven't broken them up. I mean, there is a penal code. But now penal code is close to common law damage things, so it's 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 got a it's it's not all that way. But when they're dealing with FRNs, Federal Reserve notes, hmm. here are codes with no enacting clauses. So the source is a committee and a group of lawyers. And what's your relationship to them? Even if you're a U.S. citizen, what's your relationship to them? Gotta love lawyers. Source, source, and relationship. Remember, mm -hmm. you have to know the source and relationship for it to have the authority of law. All right. Do you want to take some questions now? Do the now? codes have the of law? Um, yes, go ahead. Okay. Do we have any questions out there? To what extent has Texas accomplished all this? I don't know. It takes a while to get in there and figure it out. It's changing every time they meet. But I'm yeah, it's it's anytime I'm sure your driver's license, any ma any licensors are gonna fit that category. It and because it's a corporation, they really can't deal with anything but another legal entity. Right. This is what the public needs to know about on campaign day. This is incredible. <laughs> incredible, huh? Isn't it interesting that our people are so free, they don't have to figure out what's being done? Yes. And they go on through their life very happily and merrily without paying attention. See, that's one of the problems with freedom. If you're if you're oppressing someone, they really pay attention to their government. But if you're really free, you can be so free that you allow yourself to be 
And you must admit, it's been pretty clever. It's very we clever. Have the greatest, we have the greatest society on earth, standard of living, free to move. The trouble is, when you get in trouble with them, boy, it is a real, real cut short. Whoa, what happened here? What happened to me? What did I do wrong? Where it says the court also said that the code was done for the sake of convenience, wasn't that one of the maxims? Yes, it was. So how do you use the maxim in that circumstance? I mean, they, they are just doing whatever they want, right? So, I mean, I, they don't even go by any maxim. They just kind of make up their own rules as they go along. Well, they they have an agenda. They don't make up the rules as they go along. <laughs> they have made up the rules six years ago. Well, I think they made up the rules longer ago than that. Okay, I mean, don't don't attribute. Uh, uh, this is a process that is. Uh, I have often wondered how much they have to pay these people to keep them from. Spilling the beans, or whether, or whether it's some sort of non-disclosure agreement with some serious, serious implications. It's, there are organizations that, you know, have people swear oaths that if they reveal it, it could involve blood, shedding their own blood. If they reveal it, I don't know if that sort of thing is done or not. But it is, I would think that there's a premium to pay for that kind of devotion. Well, I would imagine, like in the, in the past, any president that do, um, got in the way of their mission was eliminated or attempted to have been eliminated, like uh, Andrew Jackson. I think he was the first one that was, uh, there was an attempt on, if I'm not mistaken, because he was fighting the uh, central banking system. Well, that's another story, but this this is this is uh, this is much more. You know, this is mother. This is this is government. That was government branch to branch. Okay, this is government to the people. Every person, and recognize that when they, in our system, the only thing they could do is use contract law to get the consent of the government. And once they realized that, that meant these kind of codes become terms and conditions in contracts, not law. And that's why revoking your powers of attorney work. That's no. why we say a properly commenced judicial procedure in which you're revoking the powers of attorney separate you from be, uh, being a subject to these codes. So if you have a license and then it expires, right, you still have to, you know, um, is, is that still connecting you? Yes. You have to physically surrender it. Let me let me give you an example. In the tax laws, 
like for the counties, it's not the federal. They have a definition of a taxpayer. And a taxpayer is anyone who paid tax last year. Think about that. What if you, if you were given the, um, I mean, what if you did not pay the tax last year? Would you sign the uh, Ah, how'd they get you in there? Well, I mean. You're on the right track, Timothy. How'd they get you in there? Well, they, they got me in there with the signature on the W-4 form. Well, you're talking income tax now. Right. I'm talking about state property tax. You're a taxpayer if you paid tax last year. Well, I understand that. Okay. But I didn't pay tax last year. On this property. So you're on not property, a taxpayer. Right. If I didn't pay tax on the property, then I'm not a taxpayer. That's correct. How does anybody ever get to be a taxpayer then? How do they get to be a taxpayer? Mm -hmm. They volunteer to be a taxpayer, don't they? You're on the right track. What do they call it? In the case of buying a house, in the case of buying a house, does it? That's a contract. Yes. It, but if you look, you'll find that the owner goes down and renders his property. Mm -hmm. Renders his property. He wasn't a taxpayer when he did that. But as soon as he did, he became a taxpayer. So right. as soon as so he filed next, yeah. So that next year, you're a taxpayer, sir. In other words, when you file the papers, you became the the yes. taxpayer. Yes. So the uh, papers for your. No, this is an oversimpli. This is an oversimplification. I'm trying to teach the concept. Okay. okay. It's an oversimplification of what really goes on, but I'm. It's but the concept is there. <coughs> Definition of a taxpayer is someone who paid taxes last year. Well, what does that do? Once you, you ever hear him talk about adhesion contracts? Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Well, is this not an adhesion contract then? Sure it is. Just the way it's stated. Now, I question whether that is, uh, I'm not sure that's constitutional. Did it come in through the code? I would, I would, if you weren't I, the paying code. any tax, you would. There's well, if you weren't million, paying any uh, tax, tax, you went down there and rendered it. I never did that. Uh, no, 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 no. This is a hypothetical well, case, Tim. Right. So. What paperwork are you talking about filing? Well, it just depends. I told you we use the firm. How about when you go to closing? Do you think any of those papers did it? 
Right. That's what I was referring to. That's where the trick starts. Right. Okay. Closing. Yeah. Well, that's that's where the trick starts because they're throwing these papers at you and they don't give you time enough to read it. Mm-hmm. Right. And as I remember, there's usually a little bit of a balance of a tax left over from the previous year that, of course, you're willing to pay since you want to buy the house, and that's probably what trips you up. Well, on mine, yep. the um, the deed says incomplete. Well, you know, you I'm, I'm not going to get into particulars, Timothy. Okay. I'm dealing with concepts. I really don't know how. Okay, I've got to right. beg off on that. I understand. So it just now, means, you know, like uh, you know, if you didn't know it now. You know it. I mean, you didn't know it then. You know it now. Right. So, what are codes? What's the source of codes? Well, the lawyers. <laughs> well, that's too general. What are they? It's a committee. It's a commission. Are the legislature? Is it the legislature? No. It is the legislature. Source of codes or a committee? Okay. It's the committee and the commissions that were established or that are made up of lawyers, um, various people, and probably, probably some some people from the legislature. Is it is it private or is it government? Private. Private. Does it have it? Can a private group put an enacting clause in? No. No. And you treat it as law. Do you have a relationship with that group before you have a relationship with that group? How do you get into a relationship with that group? There has to be some kind of a contractual relationship to draw you into it. Now, get it to see it? Mm -hmm. It's all very well done. I mean, it's very well done. But why do you – why do people – Look, I don't know how to word this. I'm going to have to stumble and stammer and all that, but there's something that bothers me here. The people, when they find out about this, have the ultimate authority to rewrite constitutions because they have the power to ditch whatever they don't like. Uh Now, which means once they're taught, the people are taught how to cover up these loopholes, they can just about write airtight constitutions, which means anybody who dares to enact something that's based on contract (laughs) and let it be a substitute, they they will be subjecting themselves to... It's a fact, not an evidence, Will. There is no evidence to that. No evidence to what? The fact that it's possible? I'm missing missing the point of your statement. I don't the understand. point of my statement, what you're saying, why don't the individuals do something about it? It no, no, only no. took me 15 years. That's true, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is that people will find out about this because I'm not going to rest on this topic. Well, be very careful. Do not mislead people because many people I knew and told this to were not willing to risk. 
That's very true. Being free. Their life was too comfortable the way it was. And the machine in their county was too powerful the way it is. And they're afraid to stand up. That's That's what I'm experiencing here in this county. Well, that's there. But I'm telling you, it's a personal thing. I, when I first found out about it, it's three, I, I didn't sleep for three days. And I thought, what am I going to do? How, how do I respond to this? And I didn't know. I didn't know how to cancel contract, contracts. I've already, decided, I've already decided how I'm going to handle this. I did, made that decision last night after I read this. After I got the email from Chuck, I read it and then was terrified by it and angered, and I decided how I was going to go about handling it. And I see it very simple. I'm going to use it as a, as a point of leverage while talking to people about the necessity for what's going on here. What happened to my computer? Um, I don't know. Okay, are we finished? We need to, we need to cover this sort of stuff off of the recording because it's drifting. Okay. Do we, have any other, do we have any other questions? Well, ways to do it. Anybody that's – let me, before you shut me off, mm-hmm. I want to say something. Okay. To anybody that listens to this later, wait to hear some other stuff in this course. The fact that you now know and can define the problem – Oh, that's all the further you've gotten. <laughs> you now understand the problem. We are discussing things down in details, facts and circumstances, and individual particulars. Uh, and understand, we will cover some specifics as we get further in the course. Thank you very much. <laughs>